0: There's never any question with us. It's always like, well, we're going to go there. And the other one's like, OK, okay. should we move to Cornwall? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we did. We packed everything we owned into mm-hmm. the back of a Citroen Saxo and we made a rash decision and just drove down to Cornwall with a tent. And, and we, lived we lived in, in a tent. tent.
1: This is the Travel and Van Life podcast from Jets into the Sunset.
2: We're Tanya and Adam, and this is the podcast where we talk all things travel, adventure and road trips.
1: Through our experience and with conversations with others who, like us, have chosen an alternative lifestyle. Hello and welcome back. My name is Tanya. I'm Adam. And we are here living in our little rusty van called Jits. And together we're called Jits Into the Sunset as we travel and film our adventures for YouTube and also host this podcast, which is all about travel, adventures, and road trips, of course.
2: Exactly. And we're primarily van lifers, but we are about to make a bit of a shift towards backpacking, a temporary shift, I should say, because Jits is going to be waiting patiently for us in the UK. And there are many van life adventures afoot, but we're very excited to have this year of backpacking, or six months, or however long it's going to be. Um, and yeah, from a filmmaking perspective, and that's something we actually speak about in this conversation. So, who are we speaking with today? Today,
1: we're chatting with Emily and Louise from camper Vibe. They are fellow YouTubers and they live and travel in their self-converted camper van with their dog, AJ, and their beautiful cat, Summer. We had a brilliant time all together here in JIT. Some great conversation and we cannot wait to share it with you.
2: We cover a lot in this conversation. So much so, in fact, that it's, you might have noticed it's longer than a lot of our other episodes and some of it has overlapped into our Patreon-exclusive content, so... If you've ever enjoyed this podcast and want to support us and you want to have access to the extra content, the additional content from this podcast, from our YouTube films, then head over to Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And yeah, we'd love to have you over there.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that this podcast has become a real passion project for us. So any help and support that we can get from our listeners to keep it on air is hugely appreciated from Mm -hmm. us. And yeah, without further ado, let's chat to Emily and Louise from Camper Vibe.
2: Oh, and bonus points for anybody who manages to hear Triggy snoring away because he was sat on Tanya's lap (laughs) for the whole conversation. And for half of it, he was just completely asleep.
1: Yeah, he he loves to snore during this. He's a podcast producer.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, very lazy one. Anyway, on with the conversation. (laughs) So we are here parked up in a very rainy, very windy lay-by in an undisclosed location in Oxfordshire. And it's freezing outside, but we're all cosy here in our van. And we are here with Louise and Emily from Camper Vibe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hello! (laughs) Welcome to Jits. Thank you for having us. Ah,
3: and Jits is lovely as well. She's very cozy in here tonight. Very, very cozy. I love the little twinkle lights. Uh, Oh
2: yeah. yeah. It's all about the fairy lights making the atmosphere.
1: Oh, adding the ambience. Guys. Thank you so much. You drove, was it three and a half hours to come and see us and we're absolutely chuffed because, yeah, it's been so nice spending the uh, the day together, having the chats, walking the dogs, all of it. And we've already had some really brilliant chats and I love the fact that we now get to sit down and Try and replicate them. Try to replicate <laughs> them. So I'm, I'm I welcome everyone into the conversation, your story, your nuggets of wisdom, all of it. The nuggets wisdom might be a little bit short <laughs> but we'll try our best definitely definitely
2: no so i guess it'd be good to kick off with van life as that is what you guys primarily are famous for uh-huh. your van life journey so what led you to van life why van life what was your journey to getting into your van and going off and doing van life
0: it started with our dogs didn't it, it so did, yes. we traveled in a tent to start with but um our dog, AJ, who we still have, uh, very quickly learned he could chew his way out of a tent. Oh so God.
2: we decided... But that was expensive. How many tents did he go through? He <laughs> only,
0: only had to go at one, didn't he? And we <laughs> yeah. very quickly decided that it might be best if we got something with a, a, a more solid wall. Yeah,
3: because poor Louise, I used to make her tether AJ to him around her waist because I was so scared what? of him, like, get, like actually tether. Yeah, when you were the... sleeping, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at least if, like, he did do a runner... I could grab hold of Louise as
0: she's walking out the tent. <laughs> and we'd both could just get dragged along with him. <laughs> so, yeah, we decided we needed something a bit more secure. So we bought our first van, which was an old Citroen small L1 H1. Yep. Uh, converted that to basically a tent on wheels in it. It had a bed and a side and that was it. And then the rest of the space we had two dogs was for the dogs. So we yep. travelled in that for a bit, just UK only. And then we went to a camper van festival and Emily saw all the lovely self builds Ooh. and all the pretty pretty builds and, and yes. that. So it was um I had to very quickly learn about electrics, plumbing <laughs> and all of those bits and we built the one we've got now, didn't we?
3: Yeah, it was definitely once I'd been there, I was like, right, I need a new van. Come on Louise, let's let's we need a new bigger van. So
1: yes. yeah.
0: So yeah, only it was only about a year after I'd finished the first one. So mm-hmm. we had one season in the first van and then straight on to the, yeah, next, one. To the
1: next one. And what was the inspiration? Like, how, what was it then that you, you wanted the layout for your new van to, to, to be? It's all about the dog. It is all about (laughs) about the dog. dog. So
0: our dog's quite large, so he needs a lot of space. So we wanted space for him to be able to turn around, walk around, have somewhere comfortable to sleep. We also wanted space for
3: us to be able to walk about in there with him as well. So because he likes to be wherever you are. So as soon as you get up, he wants to be right next to you. So it was all about maximizing
1: that space as much as possible, really. And how is the renovation process? So obviously you had something, the, the first van was very simple. The second time round, you taught yourself the skills. That's a huge undertaking and it's quite challenging to do. And, you know, for Adam and I, we've been fortunate enough that Adam inherited Jits from his mom. It's a pre-converted van. She's old, but she has been converted by professionals. So we've been very, very functional, very functional, really, really lucky. But, you know, picking up those skills and really getting your hands dirty, it's something that we really respect and admire. How was that process?
3: I worked really hard in training Louise.
0: (laughs) You provided a lot of tea and biscuits. I did, yes. And
3: yeah, a lot of like YouTube
0: hours spent (laughs) doing that as well and researching and stuff, wasn't it? It was very, very daunting, especially when it comes to so I have some carpentry background so that was fairly easy for me but when mm-hmm. it came to the electrics i was absolutely terrified mm-hmm. and i think i probably spent more hours on youtube researching electrics than i actually did fitting them but i just broke it down bit by bit and just took it one small task at a time and eventually we got there, and now even now, when I turn the lights on, sometimes I think, "Well, we did that, so yeah, it's pretty she, cool." She says,
3: "We she she done it," you know. She was very good at doing it. as yeah, well, But without so. the tea and
0: biscuits, I wouldn't have this had the, is true. the fuel. The, the, the tea fuel, and, biscuits, yeah, and the biscuits,
3: the sandwiches, the dog walks that I done. You just and all of my painting as well. Yeah, you did all the paint. You I was painting shop. The wasn't paint, you? Yeah. yeah, did all yeah. the painting, and I actually done the um, what's that? The, the tiling. You did yeah, the tiling. Yeah, so Which every, is now falling off. So <laughs> I was just showing my skills.
0: <laughs> the beauty of um, a van is yes, you have to learn lots of new skills, but you only have to learn, learn like little bits. So you're only like the tiling, you, you kind of have to learn to tile a bit just to do maybe six or seven yeah. tiles. Same yeah. with the electrics, it's just it's a very small amount out of a full trade. So as long as you break it down into little bite sized sections and just do one little bit at a time, I pretty much think anyone could, could, could do get it. there. Yeah, yeah definitely.
2: I think that's really good advice. And I didn't realize you did absolutely everything then because quite a lot of the time people will hire someone specifically to do the electrics because that's the bit that could potentially be dangerous if it went wrong. But you just you just went for it.
0: I did all of it except for the diesel heater yes. the diesel heater scared me and we mm. was in a rush to get to Europe so in yep. the end we just paid someone else to do that but yeah apart from that we did, did everything, everything ourselves cutting yeah. holes in the sides once you, you spent a lot of money on a, on a van and you you, like you, all of a sudden you have to start ripping <laughs> ripping bits out that was quite daunting as well yeah but I remember it, that it really is once it's done you can't not look at it afterwards and go yeah I, I did that because before you start it you are very much I can't do that I can't possibly mm. take that on but once you've done it I know and how many years we've had that like what three years now three years and we don't have a single leak so i'm very proud of that don't say
3: that now you just jinxed us touch wood (laughs) (laughs) but no i i was just in the van then and i was like laying on a bed i was like i just love my van but still it's just it gives you that warm cozy feeling just being being inside there and stuff and yeah knowing that you've done it as well so
0: it's well worth the effort yeah
2: so after putting all those hours how actually how long did it take you to build your van
0: It took about eight months, but I was working full time. So Mm. I was only weekends and I did it over winter. So the days were quite short. Yeah. Um, And you did miss, had to miss a couple of weekends because of weather and stuff. I did take two weeks over Christmas, but yeah, about eight months working a a full time job. So, and that was every waking minute that I wasn't at work was on the van. Or researching. Or researching about the van, yeah.
2: Also filming the process, right? Because you put up YouTube videos. This is how your YouTube channel started, was putting the YouTube videos of the process to try and help other people.
0: Yeah, filming the process. definitely adds on, I would say, adds on about 30%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or easily. Those, those videos were quite basic, but I was trying to be uh, more informative than anything else, just to help it, mostly to help other women. We got a lot of questions with our first van from women that wanted to do it, whose husbands mm. either wouldn't help them or didn't want to do it. so they Or was, didn't have. Or didn't have um, that help, so... I just wanted to put a a channel out there that maybe some of the women could relate to. uh, Because when you see someone like you doing something, you you kind of find it easier to then do it yourself. So that's how that will come about. But yeah, it did add on 30 percent. So it probably would have only taken me five or six months if I wasn't trying to film and edit and make Mm -hmm. videos at the same time.
2: That's really cool. Okay, so eight months down the line of you pouring all your love into this van. What is your favourite thing about the van and what would you do differently if you were to start again?
0: Honestly, the one thing that we wasn't going to put in is probably my favourite thing, and that's the diesel heater. There's nothing like being warm in a van (laughs) when it's snowing or raining or wet outside. Being able to put that heater on and just be warm and comfortable is a game changer. It does make a
3: difference, and I actually like a fixed bed. I just, I love the storage that it gives you underneath and I love the fact that I don't have to make it.
0: That's the real reason. Because I'm just, <laughs> she I'm just the, too lazy, I just it.
3: don't want to make it. But <laughs> no, the storage underneath, imagine if we didn't have all of that storage because we had like seating area, mm. we've lost that whole section
0: there. Yeah, the fixed bed, we do like having the fixed bed. Have we try yeah. and always stick to that, I think, with any future, future
2: build, yeah. That's actually a very common van life debate is Mm -hmm. the fixed bed or the non-fixed bed, a fixed bed or modular bed, and also to have a shower room or to not have a shower room. And you've gone the complete opposite of Jits. So we've got a modular bed and a shower room. You've Mm -hmm. got a fixed bed and no shower room. So
0: We would absolutely love a shower room, or more so for a drying room to keep all the wet gear. But because we wanted space for our dog, it was most important. We just didn't have room for it. but there will be a shower room at some point or in the next build there would be a shower room for sure. Yeah, we would yeah. have that if we could.
1: Tell us about all of the trips that you have done in your van and also what have been some of your best van life memories to date? Oh, that's a deep question. That is, isn't <laughs> it? A deep
0: question. So we've done quite a few trips so far. We've done uh, Spain. France, Spain, uh, Scandinavia, Italy, Northern Italy, um Slovenia Austria Croatia. Croatia so we've done quite a bit of Europe mm. um the best trip by far has been up to Norway and Sweden
3: Norway uh, Norway is just amazing this it just gives you so much there's so much there I think for everybody as well like the people are so nice the scenery is lovely okay the weather is not the best but yeah for hikes and walks and stuff like that it's just it's unbelievable and, and you just drive about and you're like, wow, wow, wow. We had a stupid idea that we was going to be able to do from the bottom of Norway all the way up in three months. And it was like, no, we got maybe halfway we halfway," got- because it was just so, such a, a cliche web. it was just so epic around mm. every corner that you went that it was like, we just wanted to stop and we wanted to stay there and we just wanted to be there a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: really, really, really accessible to vans.
3: There's, so accessible. It's,
0: wild camping is completely legal, so you can pretty much wild camp wherever you want, as long as you're not too close to someone's home. The services, you can find water, toilet emptying, yep. electric cook-up if you need it, shower Washing laun- Like, washing machines, pretty much everywhere you go. And the people as well, they're just really friendly, aren't they? Yeah.
3: And I also found it weird, because it's, like, legal to wild camp there, you'll get up in the morning, and there's literally a tourer, Next to you, like yeah, a touring caravan.
0: It's not just vans, yeah. it's caravans, tents. Uh, land rovers, tents, people just camping all over the place. So yeah. It is really, really cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And nationalities, so many different nationalities for you to chat with and meet and learn about their culture. It's, yeah. That's definitely been our highlight so far, hasn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. But then Slovenia
3: was um Slovenia very, was
0: very nice as very well. Very nice, yeah. yeah.
3: And again, the people that we met there...
0: They were really friendly as well, wasn't they? Yeah, especially if you can get to these places out of season. Yeah. Or slightly out of season just before the weather gets too bad because then you get it to yourself and you get to spend more time with locals and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. What was the rest of the question? I oh, know.
3: Sorry, we just gone off. Just <laughs> gone off. <Yeah. laughs> that was it,
2: wasn't it? Your favourite places yeah. that you, you've travelled and some of the adventures. So is there any advice that you would give to anybody going to Norway? Anything they need to look out for? Anything they need to definitely do? Because like, obviously everyone, well, as soon as you talk about Norway, in particular Scandinavia, but in particular Norway, you think, oh God, it's so expensive. How was it? Did it cost you a lot more money than if you were doing van life around, I don't know, somewhere like France, which is kind of like... Well, you're
0: in charge of the purse
3: strings, so you, you might as well go for this one. <laughs> so I actually done the, the cost comparison between like my weekly shop in the UK and my weekly shop over there. And my weekly shop in Norway only cost like an extra £14 something overall. Oh. So yes, there are some things that are more expensive over there, but if you look out for stuff, so they've got products called, they're called first price products mm-hmm. and they're basically like your Tesco hand brands and mm. things like that. So you can get things cheaper you don't always have to get expensive stuff and there's certain shops over there that sell more of it than others and things like that. so you'll you'll get to learn what shops to go into. Mm-hmm. but there are supermarkets all over the place and they'll have like two or three next to each other as well so if you're a shopper and a bargain person like me I went in all of them yes. to test first which we spent which a one. lot of time
0: in supermarkets in Norway didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's why we did. didn't get off all the way up to the top because you yeah. were busy testing all the supermarkets it wasn't the scenery
3: it was like the supermarkets but no it's it's not as expensive as what people make out that it is. Mm. And I think if you just shop about and have a look, and like I say, you can get the first price stuff and that's on all of it. That's rice, bread,
0: cheese, everything you can get a cheaper option for as well okay. so and we stocked up in denmark as well before yes. we went over so all your staples we stocked up on um also for the the tolls and the ferries because there's a lot of inland ferries in norway because you're kind of island hopping if yeah. you stick to the coast mm-hmm. um for those you can get a uh, a tag before you go, and that gets you something like 30% discount on all the tolls and ferries. Yep. So that will bring your tolls and everything down as well. But you need to organise that before you go, because we didn't do that. No. And we paid full price. But, yeah, there is there are ways to save... And you register online for for the ferries and stuff and that as it's well. All don't you, so it's automated. all automated, so it's very advanced in Norway. So you don't pay at a ticket booth; you just mm. drive, and then they bill you for it all afterwards. So it's all done with number plate recognition. Yeah. So if you've got this tag, it goes in your windscreen, I think, mm-hmm. and then as you drive on, they register that, and you get a discount every time you use either a ferry or a toll. Wow. Yeah. So it's definitely there's definitely ways to save money, and because all the because they tend to tunnel under their mountains rather than going over them you're driving flat all the time. Yeah. So I actually found it more expensive on fuel in, for example, the French Alps where we was up mountains mm-hmm. in a heavy van mm-hmm. all the time than we did in Norway because Norway's just the speed limit's slow, there's no yep. traffic, so you just cruise along flat all the time. So it's actually, if you're clever about it and don't put your foot down and stick to the toll roads, it's actually cheaper, I would say, than some of the other countries we've driven in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The things that are
3: like, quite expensive out there are things like alcohol, and stuff like that so but they have to import it so it's going to be more expensive so if you do like to have a drink and that i would
0: say stock up in the country beforehand
3: yeah <laughs> and yeah. then
0: you'll be fine <laughs> And one other thing, if you are going with a dog, he will he or she will need a tapeworm tablet before you go yes. in because we nearly missed that. Yeah. And if you arrive without it, I think it's like seven hundred pounds mm-hmm. oh. to quarantine your dog for twenty four. No, t- yeah, twenty four hours, hours while they administer the tapeworm tablet. So yeah, if you're traveling with a dog, tapeworm tablet in Denmark yeah. or Sweden before you go in. Mm-hmm. And it's top tip. Yeah. That
2: is, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I love that. I love the idea Just going back to what you said about only making it halfway, even though you wanted to go all the way up. And that that is like one of the best things about van life is that you can do that. Like if you fall in love with a place, it's not like, Oh cool. Our accommodations book, but so we've got to move on to the next place. It's like, you can take your time exploring that place and really make the most of it. And I think, for us, anyway, we've had that a lot. We've travelled a lot slower than we were planning to because we just fall in love with the places that we're at.
1: You get to know the places so much more, and like you said, like the time with the locals, and or even like someone might pull up next to you in a camper, and you just hit it off. So you decide that you want to spend two or three nights together, and you go exploring, or you go on a hike. It just feels like, yes, you see less places, but they're almost sticking your memories even more because they they aren't just whistle-stop tours. And I think so often you can fall into the trap of going right we want to see all of these places and then you miss out on that local recommendation and going off the off-beaten track and you've, you, you have this vision of what that itinerary should look like but actually remaining flexible is the beauty of van life it's what we love the most isn't it because yeah, we
2: have a
0: massive habit of detouring right we try and have a rough route but there's just no point because you get there and you find things that aren't online or you haven't seen on a mm-hmm. youtube video or and i think anyone that kind of wants to get from A to B with a destination in mind and just does that, they're missing out on on so much because the best experiences are always the ones that wasn't planned. Oh, without a doubt. Like yeah. you go to somewhere planned that you've seen 15 times on Instagram already and you've seen it already mm. because you've seen it on Instagram and it's, you know, it's pictured in a certain way and this, that and the other and it looks great and you get there, it's never quite the same but when you find something, we found a hike in Norway the opposite side of Trolltunga which is one of their massively famous hikes it was too busy for us so uh-huh. we went a different route didn't we and we found this brilliant park up there was like two other vans there the yep. whole time absolutely amazing hike same view when you got to the top just from the opposite side so and nobody like nobody around on the hike when we was
3: doing it either so we kind of had that beauty to ourselves because we looked through the binos and there's everyone else on the other you could literally <laughs> see everybody else on the other side standing on this rock queuing up
0: you? for a photo queuing yeah. up for
3: a photo and we had had the same view all by ourselves but we
0: only found that because we took our time because we got off the route because Mm -hmm. we spoke to locals and we found a different way of doing it so definitely my advice to anyone doing van life is don't rush off with a destination in mind just cruise about just and you're doing this because you've got time so don't forget
3: that you can go back we're planning on going back to Norway this year to do the other other part yeah yeah. (laughs) this is it so you know it was gutting at the time because we didn't get to do it but we're like we'll just come back and always still gonna be there
0: like next year
2: and also you probably had a better time doing that one half than you would have if you just rushed past things to just to get to the goal of getting the top it's like it's almost like an example of the cliche which is it's not the destination it's the journey yeah
0: 100
2: uh, yeah and you, yeah you've embodied that with your trip so it's not about getting <laughs> to the top it's about just enjoying the way there and if you get there great if not then you had a good time on the way yeah Definitely. that's exactly
0: right yeah
1: mm-hmm. And what about the worst place, not to bring it all pessimistic.
2: (laughs) The most difficult place for van life.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Like From your experience, because you're so well-travelled in the van, what has been the most challenging or difficult place to do van life?
0: For us, because we both work on the road, we're very reliant on internet, aren't we? And the most difficult place by far due to lack of services and difficult internet is the UK. (laughs) And I hate to say it because the UK has got some stunning, beautiful scenery. It's so green it's so lush mm-hmm. it's so vibrant but it is it can become difficult especially if you're trying to accommodate a job a cat and a dog and yeah all those things it can be a bit of a challenge can't There it? have
3: been many a times where I'm standing outside in Wales trying to get up a, a hill with my phone <laughs> just trying to like find a little bit of signal and the wind's going and the rain and it's just yeah that it it is difficult in the UK for sure but if we're talking further afield over over the water into the rest of Europe, then I would probably say Croatia.
0: Yeah, Croatia was a bit more tricky because they get, I think because they get a lot of van lifers, especially uh-huh. on the coast, they get a lot of van mm. van lifers go there. They're very clued up to how they can kind of make money out of it. Mm-hmm. So wild camping is illegal uh-huh. there and they are on top of it, at, especially in the peak season. So
3: Yeah, and you'll find that Well, what we found is along the coast areas that, that we went to, Everybody has a campsite. So it's their house with a tiny little like mm. driveway, but it's a campsite. <laughs> <laughs> so and they charge it and it's quite expensive. It's not the cheapest either. For what you're getting. For yeah. what you're getting there. Mm-hmm. But I think inland is a little bit easier but not in the winter because of obviously
0: how bad the weather gets there and stuff. But I find that's true of every country we've been to. The minute you go to the coast, it automatically becomes harder because that's yeah. where everyone wants to go. They mm. want to go and park their van on a beach and have that, that yeah. typical van life, Um, you know, that typical Instagram doors mm-hmm. open beach there. So that's where everyone goes. So that's where it is becoming, especially in France, like the south of France, the we found it France, difficult yeah. in the south of France, didn't we, French Riviera, that was really hard.
3: Yeah, to be fair, we parked at this one place in France 'Cause we was getting the pet passports for AJ and summer and then we had to wait for them. So we went away for what? What was it? Like a two weeks? Two weeks. And came back to that same place and there was a barrier up. All been shut down. All, oh, all within like a two-week period. Obviously <sighs> that would have been in the in the process anyway, but it just goes to show how quickly that can happen. It's just
0: yeah, it's yeah. sometimes it's Co- hard. Coastal isn't it? places can sometimes be tough. Yeah. Spain was probably the easiest for coastal park-ups.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Okay, so we have a question from Shannon Lawford, and she asks, do you find it tough or have ever had any issues travelling slash living in a van as a same-sex couple?
0: Ooh, interesting question. No, not really. We've been quite lucky, haven't we, with um, attitudes towards us, but then we've only really done van life in more of Western Europe, where it is far more widely accepted. Yeah. We've had, I'd say we've had more prejudice for being... Women, but not two women as a couple, but just um, women in general, general, like, you know, where's the man to help you with that or that kind of thing. But I I have to say it's very, very minimal. It's just old fashioned attitudes uh, from certain cultures, but they're not a problem that you just notice it, if that makes Mm. sense. Um, But as far as being a same sex couple. No, not. No, not, we not on the travel aspect, a little bit on the, because we obviously vlog our travels and stuff, yeah. a little tiny bit on the YouTube aspect, but never touch wood so far on the travelling aspect. So I've got to give Europe a shout for that. They're
1: very
2: liberal, aren't they?
1: They are, yes. They've been very accepting.
2: So they should be. Yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. And has it ever been something, because you said, okay, the the places that you've been have been Western countries. Are there any countries that you want to travel to, but that you're apprehensive about? Yes, you really want to do Texas and parts of... um the states, the south,
0: yeah, the, like the, the deep, deep south, south, the typical deep south. And we are a little bit nervous about being openly gay there, aren't we?
3: Yeah, because a few of our American subscribers have said, oh, yeah, in certain places it can be a little bit funny and stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, that's a little bit. Apprehensive, I'd say, for to yeah, go we're over not, there.
0: We're not openly, aff- op- like massively affectionate in public. No. Um, so that probably helps. So it's not in everyone's face. That's just how we are naturally. We don't make a conscious effort to do that. But mm-hmm. I do think if we went to the deep south of America, we probably would make a conscious effort to not. I'd be, be dressing
3: you right up as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Put them pigtails away and everything. <laughs> I don't need to change the, cl- the attire, yeah, the con- do I? I'll <laughs> get away with
0: the clothing, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, definitely the uh, Southern America, not South America as in Mexico, but Southern America of the states does worry us slightly, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and that's only because of what people have told us. So we can't say that that's, that would happen or anything mm-hmm. like that. So we wouldn't want to be detrimental to, to anybody. But that's just what people from over there have said. You do need to be a little bit cautious in certain areas. And but
0: stuff, we're going to so. go there anyway, because we mm-hmm. went to Kenya um a few years ago and... We was told, or I'd read online, it's you know a big problem there, Uh and it was absolutely fine. Mm. All the Kenyan locals were absolutely fine. fine. They was very accepting, very accommodating, wasn't they? So I think maybe it's more for people that live in the country might get targeted more, Mm. yeah,
3: rather than tourists. Tourists, yeah, because they want your money as well, don't they? They want it for the economy and that. So
2: yeah, it's a bad look to attack tourists or to yeah, yeah, that's then gonna
3: go online and stuff, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. But it is, I think, technically illegal to be gay yeah. in Kenya. Isn't yeah, it? lots mm-hmm.
0: in a large part of Africa, it is. Yeah, yeah. to be so gay, it's, yeah, it has, It's has so backward, so crazy. Yeah, I'd love to take the van to out and do a full African road trip. Um, Ooh, definitely cool. love to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's on the bucket
3: list. The bucket list that continuously gets <laughs> it longer never, and it the never gets it
0: never ever gets shorter, does no, it? No, it never. Ever gets longer. What's yeah. top
2: three? What's top three on your bucket list then? Costa
0: Rica. Which I know you've done, so yes. uh, we'll be picking your brains so, about Costa Rica, uh, mostly for the wildlife, because oh, it yes. just looks ridiculous, yes. right? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And you guys can confirm that it is?
2: Yes. It is.
1: Yes. It, it's definitely not overhyped. It lives up to the expectation.
2: <laughs> our favourite park up ever, I think it must be, our favourite park up ever was on a beach uh, in Costa Rica. Pretty much had the beach to ourselves almost all the time. The most crowded it got was when there were like five or six other people there throughout the day. Um, and... Yeah, crystal blue waters. We could see the algae. You know how algae sometimes glows? Yes. We had, some, you had some, that. We wow. had that. We saw a turtle hatching on the beach. So some turtles, turtles. hatching. Yeah. We saw a couple Amazing. of them, yeah. Yeah. Um and Always, every morning, there were howler monkeys in the trees right next to us. It's just um, the dream. We just that is the <laughs>
0: dream. And the vehicles you've done it in, because you didn't do it in JITS, did you? do no. it in like land was it a Land Rover or uh, something no, sort like of No, it was some kind of yeah,
2: some kind of like off off-roady four by four things with like a tent on the top.
0: Yeah, my absolute dream that is a yeah. 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 rooftop tent, Costa Rica, on the oh. beach,
1: wildlife. It would be absolutely amazing wouldn't I wouldn't it? leave.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't
3: <laughs> leave. Oh. Absolutely
1: <laughs> done. <laughs> It's so cool. Do you know they also give you a machete? What is it? A machete. A machete so that you can open up your coconuts. Oh, wow. Yeah, I literally I
2: opened up a coconut on the beach. I mean, we brought the coconut from a supermarket, but.
1: It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter.
2: matter. It doesn't matter. The photo, you can't tell from the photo.
0: <laughs> What? You didn't climb up the tree yourself? <laughs> I am disappointed. yeah, yeah that's top. top. Definitely top of the list. Yeah. Then probably Canada. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Epic road trip across Canada. Mm-hmm. And then New Orleans. Oh, your oh. yeah, New Our Orleans minds, is on your hit list, isn't New it? New Orleans is on my hit
3: list just because of the jazz, the culture, the, music, the yeah, yeah. It's just I just think it would just be an epic, like few days there and stuff, yeah. and just to experience that.
2: Oh. You're a jazz fan.
3: I am not massively, but I just—it's like it's just
0: chill. It's the right? way they it's, do it as well. It's yeah. very much part of their um, their existence in New Orleans, isn't mm-hmm. it? They're very much, it's very much part of the lifestyle. You don't go out and listen to you go out. It's just there. Like it's, it's part, just there. It's in their blood, I think. So yeah, yeah. When you when you find culture where it's ingrained in the society rather than just there for the sake of it, mm-hmm. it just makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely.
2: That's interesting. Because my mum used to play the saxophone. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow.
0: That's hard. It's really difficult. I've tried. It's really tough.
2: Yeah, apparently it's a tough one. So Mm. she did it when she retired. She picked it up when she was 60. Uh
0: huh. Wow, and then, that's yeah. Hard and then by to the learn, end of yeah. her life,
2: like just before she passed away, she was she'd got to a level where she. So she passed away when she was sixty-nine, and in those nine years of doing saxophone, she got to a level where she was really good. and She was actually playing at weddings and doing a few paid gigs and wow. stuff. It was really Crazy. cool. It was like her retirement project.
0: That is that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah Because definitely. it's hard to learn an instrument at a young age, and obviously as you mm. get older, things. They don't sink in as quick, yeah. so and it's something is difficult. I know the saxophone looks quite easy, it's, but it is tough, even the just to get a noise. Yeah. as
3: well, because yeah. you've got to have that circular. strength, right? And you can
2: do. She could do that circular breathing thing, where you're breathing, where you're breathing. I can't remember how, how the words exactly, but you're breathing in through your nose and out through your, through your mouth, mouth as yeah. you're playing. So yeah, it was amazing. Wow. Very Very I'm trying impressive. to do it. It's very difficult.
3: It is very. Know, difficult. We're all sitting like, <laughs> here like, just hear breathing down the mic. Just.
0: <laughs> I tried it in Australia with a didgeridoo because they do the same, and that mm. was yeah. you it's, it's a skill. It's a skill in yeah. itself, isn't it? Definitely.
1: Yeah. And she didn't have any musical background before no. that either. No, no,
2: no. She just jumped straight into it at 60 and she got really passionate about it. Yeah,
1: I think that's just just that. At- topic in and of itself just knowing that you know if we're lucky enough to live to old age Mm -hmm. we still have time and you listening you still have time to pick up those hobbies learning new skills and it's just we always say we say it a lot in the conversations that we have on this podcast but it's never too late to start and similar to you having no idea how to do the electrics you just go I'm going to go and dive into the University of YouTube and I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to give it a go. And that's just a really inspiring attitude. It just, it's very empowering.
0: Yeah. Because I think uh, so much of our life for most people is wasted when you're young and you're kind of taught to chase, chase a certain thing. And Mm. if you actually sit down and think about it, most people aren't really that invested in that thing. So you lose so much time. Most people don't really realize what it is they're after until they're, you know, much later on in life. So you can't let it scare you. Otherwise, you're just not going to, you're going to get to 60 or 70 and go, well, I should have done it at 30 or I should have done it at 40. Because I know now there's things I didn't do when I was 25 because I thought I'd missed my chance. But looking back, you think, I so should have done that at 25. Like there was plenty of time for that decision to be made. So yeah, definitely, I think don't don't let age. Yeah, don't let age
3: Sort of hold you back because you can do things at any age. You just got to take your time. Obviously, you get older and your body changes and things like that. But if you just take your time, then yeah, you can do anything. You can do anything you put your mind to.
2: Yeah, we often talk about the the was it a growth mindset versus a closed mindset. And there's a whole book called Just Mindset that Tanya's read and she often references on the podcast and it's very much that like having the the mindset to just go i can learn something new and age doesn't have to be a barrier to that and oh yeah i think going back to what you said about people getting misdirected in their youth like in their 20s being mm. sent down this like standard kind of trajectory of like oh get a job c- climb the corporate ladder i mean not everybody does of course and it's it's a bit of a kind of like a cliche of a story but it definitely is something that happens and you can kind of if you don't stop and reflect and think about it then before you know it you're heading towards retirement and you're like oh god what am i what have i done like i've just worked and earned money and got a house and a mortgage and all of this and it's it's like you can just run on autopilot if you don't stop and think How what do i actually want to do
0: yeah we're taught to work really hard and then when you're 68 69 then you can spend i don't know maybe 10 years if you're lucky doing the thing you want well in my mind in our mind we're just like well let's just flip that Let's do what we want while we're young, while we still got energy, while we're still enthusiastic and then not wait till we're that age. Because, you know, physically, we're just not going to be as fit. We're not going to be as healthy. There's more things to worry about when you get to that age. So we realised probably in our early 30s that it mm-hmm. was it was worth, you know what, let's have, let's have our retirement now or find a way that we can almost have it mm-hmm. or as close to it as we can get. And then worry about it at the end a bit more because otherwise you're going to waste the best years of your life. Waiting for the end years of your life, it kind of, yeah. it kind of, it doesn't make sense to me. Like you're young, you're fit and able now. Like try and find a way to do it now. It's not easy, mm. but it's achievable, I think. And you just got to uh, have the balls to just step out and give it a yeah, go. Yeah, step you outside know? the box, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's scary
3: when you think about it, but the freedom that it kind of like gives you is is unbelievable. Just just to take that little step away from the norm and just make a little
0: change. It makes all of a difference. Yeah, it? when I look back now, I only regret the things I didn't do. All mm-hmm. the stupid things I've done. Yes, they were stupid, admittedly, but I don't <laughs> and I may have regretted them at the time, but looking back it didn't really matter. Like you mm-hmm. can recover from most yeah, things. Yeah. But um you can't recover from not doing something. Like you can't you can't you can get to seventy and go, You can't change that. You didn't do it. So yeah, it's, I, I'm scared I'm scared of getting to an age and thinking, I wish I'd done that. So yeah. yeah. That's how we live. Mm-hmm
2: now is the best time to do something
0: yeah anything
2: whatever it is and i think yeah agreed like Whenever you're ready to do something, that, like the younger you are, the better, of course, but also you're never too old as well. We've spoken mm-hmm. to a lot of people on the podcast who have retired and have completely changed their life. And the best time to do it would have been 10 years ago. The second best time is now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, totally definitely. agreed. I met a woman when I was backpacking on Australia and I was uh, 17 at the time. And she had just turned 70 and she was backpacking on her own. She'd lost her husband and she was like, I've always wanted to do it no one got more attention and made more friends than that Mm 70-year-old woman backpacking through the hostels, like, with her backpack. And the backpacks are, like, 11 to 15 kilos. And I, I remember thinking then that that woman is an inspiration, so I definitely think if you can, you know, if you have got to wait two year old, I still do it because yeah, it's not too it's not too late. You she can She was having a great that. time. She was in the bars with all the like all the twenty <laughs> year old. She was trying to give. She gave surfing a go. Like admittedly, she wasn't very good, but she was having a blast. So yeah, that's that's, that's
3: probably... the most important thing, though, isn't it? As long as you're enjoying yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: And another thing, I think that when you're younger, you get told, or people quite often can get told to follow their passion. And I think, and I heard. A different piece of advice that I quite like to recycle because I think being told to follow your passion can feel a bit overwhelming and be a bit like, well, I don't know what my passion is, and then mm-hmm. you get overwhelmed and not know where to go. I think just following something that you're interested in is a much more attainable piece of advice because you can kind of you you can find interest in so many different things and just go for that, and then who knows what's and you can always change. Like you don't have to do a career or do something with your life and then that's it for the rest of your life. Just, you might find yourself get interested in something else. It doesn't have to be a passion that you do forever. Of course, great. And so much respect for a lot of people who do find what they love doing when they're 20 and then do it for the rest of their life. But it doesn't have to be like that. And I don't think that... I think the most common way is to do lots of different things right life.
0: Yeah. And most people will change. Like what I was passionate about when I was 18 is completely different to what I'm passionate about now. So... Uh, what's, there's a quote it's a long quote so I won't do it all but it says if you know what you want to be in life be it a doctor or a soldier or a vet you will become it and that will be your punishment if you <laughs> don't know what you want to be you will be far more you will live a far more freer life because you're not confined to that one thing mm-hmm. and i think that's very much true because i can get i would hazard a guess that 90% of people watching or listening to this sorry aren't doing the job they thought they wanted to do when they were 16 like mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's impossible for most people at 16 to make a decision for the rest of their life. And even if they do do it, you can change twenty six. You mm-hmm. can change again at thirty six. You can change again. You're like the work in life's a long time. It's you fifty years I've to fill with one thing. I've had a lot of jobs throughout my <laughs> <laughs> a lot of career choices. I've had a you? lot of
3: career choices because, like like we were saying earlier, I'm a person that likes to juggle quite a few things at one time and stuff like that. So it's hard for me to focus my mind. I'm not somebody that could go into a job and stay there maybe forever because. I just can't focus like that. So I have tried quite a few different career paths throughout after leaving the Navy and then getting this job now. The job that I'm in now is the longest job that I've had mm-hmm. since I left the Navy because I've just gone from this career to that career to this career. Because if, I, if I'm if i not happy with it, then I'm going to change and I'm the only one that can change it. So there's no point in staying somewhere that you're not happy with because that just then... Goes into the rest of your life. Like when you finish that work, you're going to take that home with you, and then you're going to dread going in the next day. And I'm—I just don't. I think that's a waste of life. I think that if if you're not happy, then you are the only person that can change that. And don't be scared to change it either. So, yeah, I. There was a running joke that I just like to go to interviews. Do
0: like a job interview. Do like a job interview.
3: Definitely, yeah. You you got to try things out. You got to try.
2: just a quick one to say that if you've ever enjoyed this podcast and would like a free way of supporting it, then you can do so by leaving us a rating, leaving us a review, or just sharing with a friend. Um, anything you can do to help get the podcast out there and heard by more people means so, so much to us. And it means that we can just carry on doing this podcast and making it better and better every week. So thank you in advance and on with the conversation.
1: Louise, you talked about going backpacking at age 17, and that is a really young age to to start traveling. You both have really interesting travel stories and how you fell in love with travel. We'd love to hear about that, especially because, you know, as well, Emily, you talked about being in the Navy and going on our walks earlier. You said to us that actually one of the, the reasons why you wanted to join the Navy at 16 was because there was this promise of travel as well. So it feels like the love and the passion for travel has been there for such a long time and it has just evolved over the years. We'd love to hear about your individual stories. Yeah, for
3: me, I joined the Navy at 16 and it was it was because of the travel and I didn't want to be confined to the town that I was in because a lot of people, where I'm from, Kind of stay there so I, I knew that i never wanted to stay in this kind of little bubble of the town that i was in so the navy was a way for me to be able to travel to work to you know experience new different things and experience different cultures as well and being around loads of different people because it's not just about the travel it's about the people that you meet along the way and i just think that you then understand and have a lot more respect for different people in different walks of life and I think that that's how that you grow as a person so yeah it's not just about the travel it's about like the people and the journey sounds so cliche doesn't it (laughs) but it's it's true but it it really is it I just think that that really helped me grow and become the person that I've kind of become over the years and stuff and I don't think that I would be who I am now if I'd had stayed in my little bubble of the town that I grew up in. So, yeah, for me, travel and meeting new people has just opened up so many different things to me. And, yeah, I just think it's just an amazing thing to experience just different places around the world the world is such a big place and it's just would be a shame just to stay in your tiny little bubble of like your town or
0: the UK and stuff there's just so much out there we both really struggle to understand people that don't want to travel like it's perfectly acceptable like some people don't but we we find it really hard to think but you're not going to see any of the world like there's a whole world out there we do struggle to understand because we've got family members that just aren't interested and that's fine they've got other interests and Mm -hmm. they do those but in my mind like how much we travel is attainable to a certain amount of success like i think the fact that you go to all these places is is like monetary like how people view monetary value Mm -hmm. i view how many cultures i've experienced there's like a level of that if that makes sense i know that might sound weird to some people but
2: no you you, you've count yourself successful if you've managed to have the experiences you want to have.
1: Yeah. And of course, that the ability to travel also comes with the privilege to be able to have the resources to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really interesting, Emily, is that, you know, we've talked about coming from, you know, working class backgrounds, mm-hmm. all of us here, and therefore joining the Navy for you was like your golden ticket, yeah. because the trajectory that your life could have gone with the upbringing that you had, it most certainly, I mean, we don't know, but it wasn't guaranteed that you were going to have a life of travel and adventure. No, def- definitely not. People I don't...
0: where you're from, they don't go to university, do they? No. It's not the It's not the known path, so... I know you've said to me in the past, like going to university or further education wasn't even on the radar for you, was it? No,
3: not at all. And like I say, to even leave the little area that I come from, if I speak to my friends now and stuff like that, they they don't do that stuff, and they think it's amazing that I do it, and they they're really interested in the stories and things like that. But again, for them, that wasn't even on their radar of being able to do. But I knew from a young age that I didn't want that path I, I needed to be able to get out and do and do something else so like i say university and higher education wasn't necessarily the route that i was going to be able to take because mm-hmm.
0: i didn't well, fun- go to a, an amazing school as well like it's it's not always easy to fund no, these things is it so no
3: this is it so yeah the joining the navy was like the golden ticket and like I said to you before, I went down on a fluke with a friend who was gonna join the Marines and the lady just sat down next to me and was like, Oh, have you ever thought about this? and I was- actually <laughs> no but tell me more so it was like I just couldn't wait and I actually had to wait to start the process because I was still too young to be able to even start the process for it and yeah I started the process at 15 and nine months and joined at 16 and I couldn't straight on a ship get me on a ship and I was out of there you know I just absolutely loved it I love being at sea I love just listening to the waves and yeah it was It was amazing. I'd advise anybody of a young age to join the forces, especially... I'm biased because I was in the Navy (laughs) and it's a senior service. It is. Um, But you get to travel so much with it. You really do. More so than the other services, for sure. And I did. I went to so many different places. I went to loads of places in Canada, loads of places in um, Africa, Seychelles, around America, everything. It was just... Absolutely amazing, and that kind of gave me the buzz that I want to travel more.
0: Got to travel more. Definitely. Have you been to all seven continents? In yeah. theory, let's yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is wow. not. Something that most people can do because getting to the bottom is tough. It's tough for most people, yeah. so that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I've only been to five.
2: Five. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Only five.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you beat me.
2: I haven't even counted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't count. I'm winning. <laughs> so Louise, what about you? The backpacking at seventeen.
0: So my story is a little bit different. So I could have gone to uni. In fact, my trajectory very, was very much going to uni. I was lucky enough, like you say, I come from a very working class background, but I was lucky enough to go to a grammar school on merit and I was it was there for me. But I don't think I was ever going to be the inside studious type. So Louise qu- struggles with authority. I struggle with authority <laughs> and sitting still indoors for long periods of time. So I... Left or kind of mutually agreed with my school. that I left at 15 and I went to work. I went straight to full-time work on building sites and this, that and the other. And when I got to 17, I remember my parents, I was going to go to college. I was going to try again and go to college. And I started college, was there for about a week and then decided I wasn't going to do that. So my mum was like, well, what are you going to do? You can't bum around my house for... You're gonna to have to do something so i was like i just piped up i think i'd just seen something on the telly i was like i'm gonna to go to australia she was like no you're not and then me being 17 and rebellious and very headstrong i went down to sda travel in canterbury and i booked myself a ticket to australia and six weeks later i found myself on a plane in heathrow going oh shit. What, what am i doing <laughs> like i'm 17 years old and i'm driving uh, flying out to australia but i had to see it through because i'd said i was going to do it i'd bought the ticket like i had to prove the point so i went off to Australia. And what I didn't realise is although I could fly legally there at 17, I wasn't allowed to stay in any of the hostels because they all had a licensed bar and I was underage. So I then had to travel around Australia pretending to be 18 for as long as I possibly could, like try not to give them my passport. Oh, I've left it in the last hostel and things like that. So that's how I ended up doing it. But I had the most amazing time at 17. I was very fortunate. A group of teachers that had taken a year out they was about 30 and I remember thinking at the time they're so old but they (laughs) I really shouldn't because now I sit here at 37 years old and realize that actually that's still quite young Um, but they sort of took me under their wing and we just had a brilliant time it was very much uh, a drunken time in Australia and if I could go back I'd do it differently Mm -hmm. now but I'm so glad I did it because it did give me that that buzz that that sense of, you know, you can go any, because I was at that age, I was like, well, I've just flown halfway around the world by Mm -hmm. myself. Like I can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Admittedly, Australia is an easy country to travel around. They speak English. It's all set up for backpackers. But yeah, that's what gave me the the initial travel buzz. And then I did a similar thing when I went to America. Uh, I was having a a rough time. So I was like, well, just sod it. I'm just going to book a ticket. And I went and rented a car in America and had the same sort of experience going into Mexico. And it's just I don't know those. Ex- once you've had those experiences, if you do love travel like we do, mm-hmm. once you've had them, they're very hard to beat with anything else. There's very few things like you can buy nice things, you can drive a nice car, but like when I look back, those are those bits are the bits I remember. So I think that's
3: yeah, definitely. And when we got together as well, the first thing was about travel. We we both knew that we wanted to travel. Yeah. In the the first thing was we was going to take a year out and go travelling as soon as we like got together and stuff like that. But and we've we've moved about
0: all over the UK as well, like with jobs and it definitely helps as a couple if you've both got that flair for travel. Yeah, like, there's never any question with us. It's always like, well, we're going to go there, and the other one's like, okay, okay, and that's it. There's there's no, or oh, we shouldn't do that, or we can't do this. I mean, we have restrictions because we've got pets, but it yeah. is pretty much. Mm. It's always been like from the minute we got together, well, we're going yeah. to go there, okay.
3: Fine, yeah. So should just-
0: we, we moved to Cornwall? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And we did. We <laughs> packed everything we owned into mm-hmm. the back of a Citroen Saxo, which was my car at the time. Yep. And we made a rash decision and just drove down to Cornwall with a tent. And, and we, we lived in lived a, in a tent. tent for a bit. <laughs> Oh uh, found gosh. jobs, eventually found somewhere to rent, and yep. that's kind of how we've always done things. So yep,
3: that that is pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. We lived in a tent for about three weeks, I think. With we had a dog.
0: We lived in a tent <laughs> for a month in with
3: March. your massive
2: dog yeah. who you were scared was gonna rip the tent open every now, night. Was no, that was a different dog, dog again. Again, But
0: bigger, bigger than the dog oh. we've yes. got now, yeah. yeah. So and it was March, I think, it was freezing there was no electric hookup and heaters like that. You didn't even think about that wow. with a tent. Yeah. So I've got pictures
3: of us eating our dinner, which was um cocktail sausages at the Time and baked beans, oh. and with like three hoodies on, and stuff like that. But again, and... look how
0: fondly we look back on that. Yes, yeah, it's those moments, those, yeah, moments, mm-hmm. those yeah. That yeah we I remember do that. Yeah. yeah, I remember getting ready for
3: job interviews because we had nothing, we just quit our jobs and was like, Well, let's just do it. We're just moved down and then yeah found jobs while we was down there and then you went around knocking on people's doors to try and find somewhere for us to live and yeah, stuff like that because so, we were starting wow. work the
0: next day yeah mm-hmm. so in Cornwall it's really hard especially in Newquay where we was it's really hard to find somewhere to rent in the summer so if you've got a dog, they you, you don't have a chance, like going mm. through the estate agents and stuff like that. And we both had jobs starting the next day, and we knew we couldn't leave the dog in the tent. So I literally trawled the streets of Nuki knocking on doors, asking if they knew of anywhere to rent. Yeah. And eventually I found us this piddly, horrible bedsit, didn't I? Tiny, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely tiny. Absolutely horrendous. But... Yeah. It got us a start and then once we got in with that landlord, he had other properties. and Yeah, and then
3: we moved into the next flat up, which was amazing because it had a step in it, so it was a little bit bigger. And a separate bedroom. Yeah, a separate (laughs) bedroom because the bedroom and the living room was all together and to get into the bathroom, which it wasn't a bathroom, was one of them little plastic concertina doors. Because
0: there wasn't enough room for a door to swing out. It open.
3: That's how small it was
1: in there, so... Yeah, it was good times, good times. Yeah, they were good times. Yeah. Tough times, but good mm-hmm. times. I think that is just a brilliant example to what you said earlier, Emily, which is if you want to change your life, you have the power yeah. to do that and you could just go for it. Because I don't think I've ever heard of anyone just packing everything up and living out of a tent, knocking on doors, going on in- to an interview. Like, Living off a tent.
2: That's just not an yeah. option in most people's minds. Yeah. Like no, you no, just think, oh, yeah. I'm going to move. Right, got to find a place. Look online. You know, you don't just rock up with your car and your tent and your dog and go. Right, what next?
0: Oh no! It took us a month. It took us a month to build yeah. a life in Cornwall, didn't it? Yeah, and then that's we, amazing. Then we had a great. We was there for what eighteen months or something. Yeah. And then we yeah. did it again. We was like, well, we don't want to. We're going to move. We went to Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, went to Yorkshire. Yeah. We just.
3: We got some uh, holiday park jobs up there and, and then went, moved. And then, then got bored and <laughs> there. Then- went to
0: Northumberland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we went back to Kent, and which is where we're from originally. Mm-hmm. And then we was very sensible for six years. Yes. We tried we tried the conventional mortgage jobs and we did that for six years and then it yeah. was then, like, Well, we've got a van. We like this. <laughs> the van, we don't even have to move house. We can take our house with us. So yeah. And it's not tent, so it's better. Yeah, it's warmer than a tent, so it's ideal. And then yeah. van life seems to have stuck, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So we still yeah. very much enjoy it now as much as we did when we first started. If not more, there's like so much more we know we can do now. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah
3: this so many adventures it's making me excited to get back on the road and as well having these conversations so I'm like oh I just want to go again
2: (laughs) it's it's really interesting because going back to the moments when you were getting in your car with your tent and you were just going off like I think a a lot of the reasons that people won't do that obviously there's the fear but also there's like being tied down by things and houses Mm -hmm. and stuff we would you say that you were quite you you didn't have anything tying you down, like you. You said you got into mortgages when you you got a mortgage and got a house when you were in Kent. So when you were in Kent and you had your mortgage, and you said you were being quote unquote responsible, and you were there for six years, did you say yes? Do you think that it was having the house that made you feel a bit tied down? You couldn't go off and just drop everything as quickly as you had done before. So are these like possessions and like you know properties and things like that that are quite often investments and life goals? Was that holding you back or?
0: The house doesn't hold us back, but what did hold us back for a long time was jobs like definitely mm-hmm. definitely jobs made everything difficult, and that was also the level of stress and sort of wants you to get going again because when you get a good job or what's perceived as a good job, it's very hard to then let mm-hmm. that go like that's the that's the biggest crux for us, isn't it was letting that
3: yeah, and it's it's not only the fact that it's a a good job, it's more. The people that you're working for, you invest into them, they invest into you. And so it was. it's not the house because the house can just be sold <laughs> you or rented rent or... out or something like that. But it's it was more the jobs and the people that you work for. So the jobs that we enjoyed, but they wasn't just good jobs. They were jobs that you enjoy going to. So and I think sometimes nowadays that's quite hard to find,
0: especially in.
1: Well, so You of, enjoyed
0: your job. I did not enjoy my job. Oh, was your job. Uh, So at that point, I worked for a company that moved artworks, um, but like big artworks, like Monet, uh, Picasso, like the the most expensive things that you can move. Were that, you planning a heist? That, that,
2: that, <laughs> <laughs> I wish How
0: amazing would <laughs> that be? <laughs> I thought about it. I reckon I could have got away with it, but yeah, I would have been in. I wouldn't have been travelling for a long time. <laughs> no. Put it that way. Uh, so I did that, and I worked my way through the company, and I was the like production manager. So I run all of it. So design of shipping containers, how they was going to be packed. Like actually going and physically packing them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I run a team that did that. But it became very stressful because that's yeah. the kind of job where you can only make one mistake and then the whole it's a small industry like everyone knows everyone and we was the top of the game we was very niche in what we did but we was the company that everyone came to when they had something tricky a sculpture that was a difficult shape or made of weird things so it was very stressful wasn't it and in the end it got to a point where my entire existence was work so i wouldn't stop thinking about work till sunday morning oh. and then come four o'clock on a Sunday you're getting back into
2: Monday fear. uh, uh, Yeah.
0: I've got to go and I've got to deal with that problem. And then I've got to do that big job. And then I've got to speak to that customer. And it was different. Like we worked, uh, I did a lot of jobs for the Royal Collection. So I was in and out of palaces and Windsor Castle and stuff. So it was all, you had to be a certain level all of the time. And so that for me was, it's not that I didn't like the job, it was a very interesting job. And I went to a lot of cool places, but it was very stressful. So in the end I was like, don't want it i just i just, just don't, don't want, want it. it i yeah. don't want it's it too much adult in now just too much adult yeah in, but... too, it's far too great bearing yeah. in mind this is the same kid that packed all her stuff into a citron saxo so and went to Cornwall one a tent and went to australia when she was 17 <laughs> to then put me in an environment where i am like professional when uh, that like responsible for a crew underneath me and yeah it just all got it's
2: amazing to hear that you've done that though the range that you've mm-hmm. been off traveling, doing whatever you want, but then also you said you got into grammar school on merit, so that shows you're good, studious when you put They're your mind so to it. so
1: smart. It is, <laughs> <It's brilliant. laughs>
2: and then you've also got the range to be like a professional in what sounds like a pretty high pressure environment, and you have to be very proper if you're going into Windsor all the time. It just is really interesting to hear you've got all these different caps that you can wear, and then you went, you know, built a van.
0: Yes, yeah, so I've lived the lived full life. Yeah. yeah, definitely not regretting anything. <laughs> are you? A, yeah. But I think it's always having that ability to take those chances. So when that job... So to get into that job, uh, to start with, I started off on the shop floor um, doing bench joinery, which is my work background. But I kind of had to blag a certain amount. But I've always thought that if you can blag your way in, you can kind of figure it out when you get there. Like, just just ask someone else to show... you Just silly questions like, this is how I've always... Can you show me your way of doing it? I just want to make sure I'm doing it to company-like spec. And then they show you how to do it. So Mm -hmm. you can kind of... So She's a good blagger. But I think you shouldn't let things... Because what's the worst that could happen? I could have gone there for two weeks and they could have figured me out and then I don't have a job there. It's not... And I just get a different one. And it's the same with going to Australia. It couldn't have worked out. I fly home. Mm. Cornwall. We could have come back. Like, You can always get out
3: of yeah, things. You, you can't be scared to make the change and take the leap, basically, because that's that's a thing, I think. And going back to what you was you was asking about is it like the house and stuff, I think as well for us... Having the animals is what's made us be a little bit more sensible as well because it's not just. Yeah, just I think, us I think two. we got a mortgage for the dog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, honestly, yeah. It's like the same we built the van for the for dog. Dogs. I think the mortgage yep. was for the dog. So we yep. had somewhere like somewhere proper to live and stuff. For when
3: they're older and stuff, and yeah, they've got somewhere to, to live, but. They've got somewhere. They've got the fan. they got the That's van, That's so funny. <laughs> fun. so
2: when the dogs are older, they got somewhere to live. It sounds <laughs> it sounds like you're definitely doing about kids there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? they, they
3: are like yeah. children. They, they are, are like children. Are like children yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but no, it's you've got to make them changes sometimes to enjoy it a mm-hmm. bit more.
2: So I'm sure a lot of people listening will, of course, follow you guys on YouTube. You make incredible videos, very entertaining very cinematic and you do some great great adventures and if anyone here is listening and doesn't then make sure you do of course link in the show notes um what is your guys relationship to youtube
0: it's a long one isn't it so we start we had no intention of ever making youtube a career in fact i didn't think it was possible with a channel of our size mm-hmm. to even do it for a job or anything like that so we did it um like I said, the van build was where it started. And there was just very silly, very amateur, very, very quick videos. They weren't great. And what happened was when the pandemic hit, um, I went on furlough and I didn't have much of the van left to build. I was pretty much finished, but I don't cope well with not doing anything. So I wasn't going to work. So I I started to film the videos a bit more creatively. I started to watch a bit more on YouTube about how to do that. And I found, I was already big into photography and I found a a passion really for filmmaking. So I just that's what occupied my time. So during the pandemic I just spent my time trying to make what could be perceived as boring van build videos a bit more interesting and mm-hmm. I found a passion for it. So we did that and then you started to come into the videos a bit more because I the Van Build was finished and people enjoyed the banter between us and I didn't realise it. I was just putting it in for a laugh. Like I didn't realise that it was going to take off. And then we started to build a bit of an audience mm-hmm. and then we started to engage with that audience and it was quite a a nice process wasn't it making something funny in a time where it was pretty crap for a lot of people yeah. everyone was stuck inside no one knew if their jobs were safe if their family were safe and once a week we was making people laugh and that kind of just grew didn't it for us into yeah. a passion then we was lucky enough to go traveling so I just carried it on we just carried on doing it because everyone else was still like locked down or not uh-huh. at work or whatever so we just carried it on and it just kind of took on a life of its own and then from there like um, we started to make a, a bit of money here a bit of money there i then got made redundant so i was like well i'm making money doing this shall i just carry on doing this and it's just it's just escalated and grown from mm-hmm. there so that's how it all kind of came about really isn't it
3: yeah and you love it i i'd really enjoy the stuff that you do with the videos and that as well because it's just you you really have a passion for it and you spend a lot of time researching stuff and picking out the music and the hours. I love the fact of how passionate she is about it. It's just really nice and I like I like to watch and look at what she's done and what she's put together because I do not do any of the editing <laughs> <laughs> at all. I just rock up and speak. That's, that's as much as I do. But yeah, I, I just, I think it's really nice to see her so passionate, but knowing the previous job that she had mm. where it was really intense and stuff like that so it's really nice for me to see her and how passionate that she is with
0: this as well so what it's also done for us as well is it means we can travel which i think yeah. is a massive plus for us so it facilitates us to be able to travel on the road all of the time so i'm combining multiple passions yeah in one thing so i couldn't we couldn't be more thankful for the situation we found ourselves in really
1: yeah definitely you talk about all the all the work that Louise puts into the editing and the videos and everything. But Louise, you actually said in one of your videos that it's Emily who works really, really hard. Because I think some people that don't know you guys would just assume that YouTube is your only source mm-hmm. of income. But actually, Emily, you mm-hmm. have you you've you've got an another complete job, yep. and you've held on to that independence. And we made sure that you're not relying on mm-hmm. YouTube because, I believe you've said before that once YouTube becomes like the be all and end all, then it's putting all of your eggs in one basket and you don't, you you basically don't want to rely on that. No, I've, from experience, like, because it's happened to
0: us at times where it's kind of started to take over. And then from other uh, creators and YouTubers and social media people that we know and we've met and we spoke to, we've seen how, how much it can take a hold of someone's life. And when When your entire mind space is not only your income, your it's your job, it's your what you was, your passion is now not your passion. And I, f- I think we're very, very, very conscious not to lose the love of it. Because I yeah. think once you lose the love of it, th- there's no point doing it. And we love the position we're in. So Emily, keeping your job, yeah. which you really enjoy. I do. I absolutely love my job. And I, for me,
3: because I don't do the edit inside of it or anything like that. And not that I probably couldn't, but I don't have the passion for it. Like I say, my like attention span is not that good to sit there for the amount of hours that Louise does and puts into it. I couldn't do it. So that's why I really like my job and I wanted to keep my job and have that separate entity. So one, it's, it's my own and I'm still keeping me and it's not just all about
0: youtube or anything like that and it facilitates like if we want to take a week off or two weeks off we haven't got to worry we can just say do you know what we're going to take two weeks off Mm -hmm. because financially we're not 100 percent reliant on it it's i mean there you do worry a little bit like oh is the algorithm going to drop it you have all these things but you just have to let that go yeah and so we've been very careful to try and maintain that healthy balance of taking a hobby and making it your job because i think that can go horribly wrong if you get that balance wrong so we are very cautious aren't we
3: yeah you don't want it to consume you you still want to enjoy it and have a passion for it like like any job you know like I said earlier once you start not liking it that's when it can take a, a horrible turn and then you're just gonna stop doing it and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think it's really good to to have a few different options and separate entities and stuff like that.
0: And not get bogged down in views and numbers and analytics yeah. and whatever someone else is doing and yeah. all those things. Because it's easily done. It's easily done it, to get sucked mm. into yeah. the headspace of that. So Of course it is.
2: It's something we've spoken about this quite a lot in the episode the the episode on the podcast, the filmmaking episode. What number was that? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> whatever number that was. Um and it's YouTube is a funny one because you're filming your life, the The line between work and your life just becomes very, very blurry. Mm-hmm. We are making sure that we're honest with ourselves, that we're making the films that we want to make and mm-hmm. therefore we're doing the things we want to do. Like mm-hmm. we've, we love van life and we've spoken about it many times that we want to do a different type of traveling. And that might not be the smartest move for us from a YouTube standpoint, but... If we were staying in the van for the sake of YouTube, we wouldn't be as happy, wouldn't be enjoying the films as much. Eventually that would come across in the films and we'd be putting off the different type of travelling we want to do just Mm -hmm. for the YouTube. And it's kind of like almost like what's the point in it all then? Because the reason that YouTube is so great, and at least for us, is because it lets us have the opportunity to go off and do all these experiences. And if we end up letting that dictate our experiences too much, then will be completely to find the point of the, ho- mm-hmm. of the whole of it it's all about the balance
0: if you do that you might as well go back to your stressful job in the town or wherever yeah. because you're just in the same situation then again and you're right it totally does come across so we've um i've made videos before that aren't necessarily van life videos because that weekend i wanted to go camping or we want to go on just to do a hike like you have you're right you have to make the content you want to make because people enjoy watching people enjoy themselves And I think the minute people are watching someone pretend to enjoy themselves, it's so obvious. And Mm -hmm. unless you're very good, a very good actor or actress, which we are so not, not. (laughs) you couldn't give us a script and lines because it would just go horribly wrong. So, yeah, you're right. But I also like the balance you guys have got because it's very hard to get sucked into the trap. I think they call it feeding the beast where it's content churning out content Mm. week in, week out, week in, week out. I'm lucky that I still enjoy making one one video a week I, I'd be bored if I wasn't but I'd love I love the fact that you guys have got great balance like you put out such amazing films mm-hmm. but not every week so you like you must still get excited to go and make yeah. films about certain places and I think I think people look to other YouTubers and think well that's how they have done it so that's how I must do it but I think they there's lots of different ways of of doing it so I think if you need to get out of your box of your van life niche or whatever box you're in go and do it I think if you want to put out videos once a month do that I think fundamentally you have to enjoy it before it becomes a business and then once you figure out your balance then you can make it a business Mm -hmm. because you already know how it's going to work for you yeah so if you can get the balance right then bring the business in you You're not bringing the business in and worrying about losing the joy because you've already figured that out before you go too business minded. So, yeah, it is a tough one. It's not like any other job I've ever had. You are constantly having to pull yourself back and make sure that you're not overdoing it or doing it for the wrong reasons or making a video for a specific, like going somewhere specifically to shoot a video Mm -hmm. is stupid. I think you should travel and then go. This place is amazing, and what happens to us? We struggle to take time off because we'll get we'll say well, we'll take a week off and we'll go and do a hike. We get there and we go, How can we not film this? Like, how can we not share <laughs> yeah. this? Yeah. Like, this is it also it's really hard for us to take time mm. off to do travel or hiking, so we end up taking time off at home, boring, yeah. boring yeah. In, in the house, like <laughs> because that's not that interesting. But yeah, definitely, you definitely have to find that balance 100%. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting though because when you're going on a trip or on a hike or you're off camping and you're doing what you love and you're excited to film it that is where the magic happens because because you you feel excited to to share Mm -hmm. and you're just like wow how can I tell the story here and how can I really get the audience to really feel what it's like to be here and to be immersed in it and actually that ties in really well to a question that we have from at instaglam brit and she writes other than through practice how did louise learn to tell a story so well I don't know. I don't. I don't
0: think I'm very good. Like no, I'm, you are. I, so I, I,
1: I think I'm like. If there was a scale of one
0: to ten, ten being like your big top van life YouTubers, I'd put myself at like maybe a three. What? Oh like, I, I, I
3: genuinely would. I need to it, stop you because Louise actually, many years ago before we even doing this, Louise, I would just go to Louise, like tell me a story, and we'd be out on a walk or something like that with a dog, and she would just make up a story on the spot and I'm like just so engrossed in listening to this story that she she just has this mind that works in a way that I don't think everybody's work. So you are a very sort of creative person and I think that really helps and you're just creative in She's annoying She's an annoying person <laughs> That can do most things
0: Honestly It's, it's ridiculous As we've the stuff established
2: that she, <laughs> Building anything Building a van
0: uh, I a, can't dance or sing I'm terrible yes. at both those things Great Good <laughs> yes. this, this is what I hold on to Because I can dance better
3: than her It's the only thing I can do better <laughs> That's, but not true. It's,
0: That's not but true But no
3: She's she's such a, a creative person A very talented person That yeah We literally would be on a dog walk And I would just say to her Tell me a story And she would just reel off this story for like five ten minutes and i'm just like wow and i keep saying to, you should write happened? a book yeah i am i'm like you should write a book she's like oh no whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna write a book one day
0: yes so yeah.
3: i do think that she is she has like a sort of natural ability and stuff and just random things we walked through a shop in like jjb this was many years ago when jjb was still there and she picked up a, a basketball and just started spinning it on her finger and i was like when did you know that? She went, i've just done it
0: I get like I like, said, I get bored, so I fill my time up. With, and I'm not one for watching, just sitting watching mind-numbing telly. I'd rather uh-uh. be doing something. This is why I didn't cope well with school, and I didn't want to be sat. I wanted to be mm-hmm. doing something. And probably yeah. why I went into carpentry, because you was physically making something. I like to have at the end of the week, the work. I like to have something to show for it, like I built that, or there's a YouTube video that I made. I, like, mm-hmm. I just enjoy that. But I've always, um, when I was a kid at school, I was always writing stories. There was probably terrible. I don't know. It's probably just always been there. It just never twigged with me that I had a passion for it until three years ago when we started this whole YouTube yeah. thing. So, yeah. No, but she, I, she's I, very
3: talented, but I am biased because obviously she is my wife.
1: No, you guys <laughs> but are I'm always, the two I'm, of
0: you. I'm always learning. Like I think you should always like the way I I learn from TV series. Is so I'll like lots of people watch other YouTubers to learn how to do YouTube. I'd rather watch a tv series and i think hang on they've linked that scene to that scene like that could i do that in a video rather than just looking at the camera and going right we're going here now i think how can i show that without saying we're going here now and that's something i'm trying to evolve on all the time Mm -hmm. is how to vlog less if that makes sense so less talking to the camera saying this is what we're doing this is where we're going i'm trying to always find ways to get from a to b without having and that's what i love about that, that that challenge of trying to trying to come up with and new ways of doing it as well there's easy ways to do it like you can chuck a drone shot in between two scenes a bit of music oh you've transitioned but I'm always trying to find new ways and that's mm-hmm. that's what I love about it yeah. more than anything like and... the editing to me is more important than the filming like mm-hmm. the filming yeah. getting all the shots is a tool to make a story in the edit does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah, makes right, sense okay, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: no you're you're very right i uh, i like looking i love looking at other youtubers of course for inspiration but i also like looking outside that like you're saying tv series i like really like vimeo we were speaking about that uh-huh. before we started recording so anybody listening who's looking for inspiration vimeo staff picks is a great place for like a filmmaking community with all sorts of stuff it's very different it's not uh, bloggy at all and it's like some from like tiny filmmakers and some from like the New York Times and it just like it's a nice variety of really interesting creative stuff and that's really good for inspiration and to maybe break yourself out of the mould of just the you know quite traditional YouTube stuff and it sounds like that's exactly what you're trying to do and is what you do do is break mm. out of that it's not just a traditional pointing you at where you're looking at and pointing at yourself and i think that's what makes you even though you don't think you do makes you stand out
0: i'm getting there but it's taking it's like looking to other people so when i first started i found van life videos by accident when i was researching the van build mm-hmm. but i was saying to you earlier i found your scottish series and i remember looking at the way you filmed things it was so much better than other stuff i'd seen on youtube at that point i was then like right how is he doing that like how are they getting that so then i'd be like right and eventually I learned like colour grade. You need to colour grade to get your shots to look a bit different from everyone else's. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just taking the, to find the bits that you, make you go wow and then try and get anywhere near them. And you will learn new stuff along the way. And it's all, they're all tools they're not physical tools like i used to have Mm -hmm. but all these things are tools that you can use to tell a story because it's very hard you will you will know this it's very hard to show someone on a video how stunning a place is Mm -hmm. like so you need to get the sound you need to get the right music you need Mm -hmm. to get the colors right like it's very difficult
2: Mm -hmm. and the variety of shots not just the one big wide that doesn't do it justice you've got the details and then the other angle Yeah. yeah, yeah 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 no well you're very good at teaching yourself new skills and I can really hear how passionate you are about it, so I'm it's getting very commendable.
0: There. This is I'm quite lucky this has kept me engaged for three years now and oh, I'm not yes. even getting bored of it yet. So I think because there's so much for me to learn, because I had no mm-hmm. experience, what's like literally none. I've had no no everything I've learned, I've learned from the internet. Yeah. So or doing it.
2: I don't think you can ever stop learning with filmmaking, mm. to be honest. Like there's so many different ways of doing it, and there's so many different filmmakers and different types of films as well so i think you can go for a lifetime of and still be filming. learning yeah.
0: and also you change the way you want to do things like how i wanted to make a video like if i went back to the same places we went to two years ago i'd probably make a completely different video to mm. what i made first time round because i'd want to do it differently like i'm always wanting to change mm-hmm. how we present our videos which is probably a bad idea because once you find a formula they say stick to it but i'm like well if i just we gets to a point on the road, after three months of making just travel videos, I do start to go, oh, how can we do this differently? Because I'm getting bored of making, you're making the same video every week. So that's why they're always, I'm always looking for new ways to yeah. do it. Because to keep it fresh for me, from an editing point of view, you want uh. it to be...
2: It's how you'll evolve as well as a creator. And it's it's really interesting talking to you makes me really want to step my game up because I because my background is filmmaking. Don't
0: think you need to step your game (laughs) (laughs) up.
2: Well, as very kind, obviously, and I really appreciate everything you said about like the Scotland films and stuff, but and I am proud of the films we make, of course I am. But I also find myself being lazy sometimes and not trying new things because my background is filmmaking i've been doing it for like over 10 years now i find myself just relying on my previous knowledge rather than trying to get new inspiration new trying stuff. to do new stuff trying to do it in a new way. like i feel like i'm not stagnating maybe but i'm not moving forward in the way that i could if i really were to apply myself like you are like you're you're still very much in that learning stage mm-hmm. and moving forward and getting better and whereas i feel like oh you know what i'm doing now is good enough i can just relax but really why i could just keep going and we could keep working to make better films and better films and this is partly why we want to go backpacking because i want to get inspired by the places mm-hmm. i'm in again not that i love being in europe of course it's, it's amazing but i want a bit of culture shock and i want to get mm-hmm. out of europe and see different colors different mm-hmm. people and it just you know reawaken my fire for filmmaking and reawaken that creativity
0: i think you have to and that's why i like um because i have other interests obviously that aren't van life so i like camping and wild camping Uh and all those things and every now and again i want to make videos about that because i'm excited to film them because i've not filmed them for months so when i get to go and make a camping video i'm like before i even get there i'm like i can get this shot i can do this i can film this Uh and it's it's going to be different and it's it's you're right it's finding that passion because van life if you do it for a long time it does start to become repetitive yeah. Like finding water, right, today we've got to find water, then we need to go and find gas, then we need yeah. to do this, and then we'll then we'll go to this place, we're going this, and four days later you're repeating that process all of the time. So mm-hmm. you do, I think you're right, you do have to break it, especially if you're filming your life, because your life is your job, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So you have the to... blurry lines. Again. Yeah, you've got to ignite that, you've got to keep that passion going, otherwise you will end up, where we were speaking about earlier, where it's just a rut and you're, mm-hmm. you don't want to do it and you're not passionate about it anymore. So, Yeah. That was a very long-winded answer to whatever the the original question
2: was. (laughs) That was my fault as well.
1: I love the fact that we started off joking that there was no pearls of wisdom here, but I feel like that was the whole conversation. (laughs) There was so much. Guys, thank you so, so much for coming on. I want to finish off with one last question, which is, of course, what are your plans for 2023? What can people expect from you? And to follow you, where do they find you?
0: So we have three big, what we call a big trip. So to us, a big trip is now, because of Schengen, everything is in three-month windows. Mm -hmm. So we have three big trips planned for next year. So uh, this first one, we think it's going to be the Alps and then either Portugal or Sardinia. Yep. Or it'll be Andorra and then Portugal. It's going to be one of the... Depending on who's got the best weather at the best time. So Europe, then we're back to the UK. No, well, we're back to the UK for a week or so, and then we're going to... Ireland, and we're going to do the much, and we've got a, quite a big Irish following, so we're looking yes. forward to it because they've been asking for about a year now, when are you doing Ireland? So we're going to do Ireland. And then after Ireland, we're going to return to Scandinavia yeah. and finish Norway, and hopefully uh, a bit more Sweden again, and maybe touch into Finland as yeah. well, and do a bit of that, and then probably a rest for the winter because we'll be knackered yes. after nine months of... Because it's a lot of driving because of the Schengen now. We have to come back to the UK and then back out. It's a, it's yeah. a lot. So
1: so well, where are people going to be able to follow along your journey? So the best place
0: to follow along on our journey would probably be YouTube. Yep. And then Emily is very active usually on Instagram when we're on the road. So yes. uh, YouTube channel is called Camper Vibe. And then... Yep. The, what's it, Instagram's Instagram the same. Instagram's the same. same. Yeah. <laughs> it's camp underscore vibe. <laughs> underscore vibe. So yeah, you can find us there and we're hoping to, there'll be quite a lot of content this year because we're going to be on the road A lot. the majority of it, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm very looking forward to it and having these conversations makes you
0: even more excited, right? I'm just like, oh my God, I just want to go. Yeah, because fingers crossed we're leaving in about a week, so. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, exciting times be, Yes,
1: yeah we cut you just in the costume just cost, in time yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. it's so cool I'm so oh, I'm really really excited for you both and thank all you very
3: adventures. much and we're
0: excited for your backpacking
3: adventures I know that's going to be I'm going to be so jealous
2: we are so ill prepared at the moment that's
0: but. the best honestly though sometimes just go well, that's the worst that can happen yeah.
2: make, at
3: least
0: good. pick your first country though right
2: don't yeah, just exactly. turn up at
0: the airport and be like <laughs> right what's
3: available
2: <laughs> sounds like something you guys would do though to be fair just with a tent
3: yeah <laughs> um, ten,
0: ten years years ago I would have done that.
3: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I'd still like to do that though. To be fair, that's on my bucket list. Literally just to turn up at the airport. And go give me the cheapest
0: ticket. Or the the next available flight,
3: please. Yeah. That'd be great. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? Oh, that
2: would blow up. That is that
3: is my that 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 is is my bucket that is my bucket list. Like just to literally rock up at the airport and be like, right, where can
0: we go? Where can you give us? Where can we go now? Yeah. Wow. You wouldn't even know what to pack. You'd have to pack everything, Oh, no. Yeah. It'd be amazing, right?
2: Or nothing and just buy all there.
0: Buy all yes. you get. Yeah, but then what if you end up going to like Switzerland?
3: Oh,
1: no. <laughs>
0: everything is really expensive. You at least got to have like a
3: bikini, ain't you? A bikini pair of shorts. <laughs> and a jumper. And a jumper. Yeah. <laughs> You're covered somehow, aren't you? Along the
1: like.
2: <laughs> so we have one question that we need to ask you before we let you guys go. And that serious is... Serious question. A very serious question. We need you to come up with a secret code emoji so that people who have listened oh. to the whole of this podcast will be able to use that code emoji to reach out to you or to us to let us know they've listened to the whole conversation.
0: Super loyal. The code emoji is going to be a raccoon. Ah, oh, I love raccoons. They're so cute as well, aren't they? And you saw one recently in Mexico.
2: I did see so, one recently
0: yeah. in Mexico.
3: Yeah, raccoon.
2: Okay, raccoon emoji. Great one. Thanks, guys. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And, of course, guys, thank you so, so much for your time
0: no thank you it's been a pleasure hasn't it yes it, it has yeah. it's been
1: lovely to speak to you yeah let's have dinner maybe let's play some games or maybe we can have a, a movie night in Jits uh-huh. oh, nice. and then yeah tomorrow morning breakfast dog walks and yeah well, more out a sweet sounds farewell good. yes it sounds good to me and the rain might stop <laughs> fingers crossed
0: <laughs> thanks guys oh
2: I was recording no. <laughs>
0: oh, could you imagine <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have found it helpful in any way and can think of someone else who would appreciate it too, then please do share it with them. Not only does it help get our podcast out to more people, but you never know that someone might need to hear this conversation. Other ways to support the podcast are in the show notes. This podcast isn't sponsored, so anything you can do to help it grow helps us continue to have conversations just like this one with fantastic guests.